I was just uh, reading in the uh, Brihad Bhagavatamrita. The whole purpose of Brihad Bhagavatamrita, which is like the essence of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which the Srimad Bhagavatam, of course, is the cream of the Vedanta Sutra, and the Vedanta Sutra is the significant spiritual teaching of all the Vedas. And we're going to discuss that mostly tonight in, in the verses of Bhagavad Gita we'll be going over. So, Brihat Bhagavatamrita, I'm just now coming to the end. Gopakumar has been dispatched. He's an agent of that other plane of existence. And he's been dispatched to retrieve one of Krishna's devotees. And he's relayed to him through the dialogue of Brihat Bhagavatamrita, how he became self-realized and what he experienced. The different planes of existence he went through. How he started out on this plane, this earthly plane, as a simple cowherd boy in Vrindavan. And from there he went to the higher planetary systems where the demigods reside. And from there, he actually pierced through the universal shell and went to the abode of, of Brahman. And from the Brahman abode, he actually went to the residence of Lord Shiva in the spiritual world. And from there, he went to the Vaikuntha planets. For a while, he was Brahma. For a while, he was Indra. What an experience. And then he finally went to Ayodhya where Lord Ramachandra is worshipped, proceeded from there to Dwarka. From D in Dwarka, he met with and was personally tutored by Narada Muni and Uddhava. And then finally, he went to Vrindavan in Goloka, in the spiritual realm, and realized that it was the same realm where he started, but he now had full realization of it. That the spiritual realm is actually transported to this plane when Krishna descends. He brings everything with him, including his whole spiritual realm, Raja, where he sports with his most intimate associates. So it's a replica, but a totally spiritual replica on this plane of existence. Now he's explained this all to the Mathura Brahmana, that he's been dispatched to enlighten. But he realizes in just giving the dialogue to him that the Brahman may not have got the sense of what he experienced, the ecstatic emotions that he went through. And it's also interesting that it, during the dialogue, he realized that he was relating things that he was truly unconscious of at the time due to spiritual ecstasy. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, he was in ecstatic emotion so much so that he was detached entirely from what was going on around him. But in relating the story, he was able to recount what was happening if he was to have been externally conscious of events. It was like a realization for him. It was, it's interesting the way it's explained. But what he does as that agent of that higher realm is he sees that he's given all this knowledge to the Brahman of Mathura. He's given him all the knowledge. 
but he he's having a hard time. He doesn't know if he's really got the experience of it. He puts his hand on his head. And at that time, the Brahmana's heart fills with all the emotional, spiritual experience that Gopakumar had acquired through these travels and advancements in spiritual life. It's quite unique that that is the potency of Krishna's pure devotees from that plane. Not only do they educate us with the knowledge, but they also give us experience that may not, we may not yet be qualified to have due to our immaturity in spiritual practice. They're so kind, so merciful, that despite that, we're given some special opportunities without qualification. That's why the association and service of Krishna's devotees is so very important. And that's what Sridhar is speaking of. They bring this plane down to this, to us. And they give us some, some knowledge of it. Then we can be inspired to push forward. Then we can be enthused to continue to work on purifying our existence. And all we have to do is put in a little bit. We put in, and Krishna, for every, what are they, for every step we take towards God, he takes ten steps towards us. I mean, just imagine that we're, we're working to purify our existence, but we realize, what can I do? I really, what? I'm completely under the influence of this material plane. I have no control here. All I can do is take shelter of Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Rama. If you want to purify me, that can happen. What can I do? I... And that's where the yogis, that's where all these impersonalists get it wrong. They think by the, by brute force, they can conquer over Krishna's external potency. Without Krishna's help, they're given some facility. Did any of you see the Super Bowl ad of the little teeny Darth Vader? Yeah. yeah. Great Volkswagen commercial. Yeah, did you see it? Okay. Has anybody not seen Star Wars? So everybody's seen Star Wars. So we know it's about the Force. So there's this little boy. He's probably about this high. He's got a Darth Vader outfit on. And he's going around the house and he's going... <laughs> and he's trying to get stuff... He's trying to do stuff with the Force. And he's not having any success. And finally his dad comes home. And he rushes out to where the car is. His dad goes in the house. He's standing in front of the car and he goes. And he does it again. And the car starts up. So his dad's in the house and he pushed the remote control to start the car. Or turn on the lights. I don't know what it was. But, and, the, and, the, and the child's like, look at what I did. <laughs> the same thing these yogis 
they're there and they're working and working and working. And they're trying to get something to do. And finally, Krishna's there. Oh, all right, here. And he grants them some material power. And all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, look what I did. Yeah, what'd you do? What'd you do? You can't make the sunlight. You can't make the, the water you drink. You don't make the food you eat. At every stage, at every step in your existence, you're completely dependent on Krishna's mercy, either his spiritual potency or his material potency. But at every stage, we are the subordinate factor. When we come to that understanding, then, our, then we're on the right path for spiritual progress. Once we come to the understand that the Supreme Lord is giving us everything, including any spiritual advancement that we may be granted, then our progress is assured. That's where the yogis get it wrong. They think, by my own force, I can accomplish this. Also, the materialists, they're thinking, oh, by my own force. Yeah, well, <laughs> problem is your own force means that in the past you did some pious activity and, and you were give, given some reward for that. And when you run through that, then the bank account will be empty and again, you'll have to pay the piper. So that's what we're going to discuss this evening in the third chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Understanding how Krishna's material potency is meant to work. How is it meant to work? How can we make it work for us? Now, Krishna is trying to direct Arjuna and bring him to the platform <coughs> of niskarma. Work in the world without trying to enjoy in this world. And it's, it's, it's a great proposition. But few of us are there. So therefore, in this third chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna backs up a little bit. And he says to Arjuna, he explains to Arjuna, understand the way that the universe has been, my universe has been manifested for you to be here and be happy, get everything you want, and also advance in spiritual understanding and come to the proper stage of self-realization. I've arranged it so you can have all these things. So the verses we're going to cover this evening, starting with verse number 10 speak to that science of the material world. So Krishna says, In the beginning of creation, the Lord of all creatures set forth generations of men and demigods, along with sacrifices for Vishnu, and blessed them by saying, Be thy happy by this sacrifice, because its performance will bestow <laughs> upon you everything desirable, for living happily and achieving liberation. The demigods being pleased by sacrifices will also please you, and thus by cooperation between men and demigods, prosperity will reign for all. Now there's an important verse 
in the Srimad Bhagavatam. A karma sarva karma va moksa karma udara di. Travena bhakti yogena yajata purusham param. A karma sarva karma. A karma sarva karma va moksa karma. We may have so many different aspirations. We may desire to work in such a way that we enjoy the fruits of our labor. That's sarva karma. Basically, the fruits we want are heavenly delights, whether on this plane or in heaven. We want the heavenly delights. We want the good family relationship. We want the beautiful offspring. We want the opulence, the fame, long life. Sarva karma. We work to enjoy the fruit of our labor. Karma sarva karma va amoksa. Moksa karma udara di. A karma means someone who has a little bit more intelligence. Niskarma karma yogi. He's just working in the world, but he has only spiritual aspiration. He's not really here to enjoy fruits on this plane. He wants to be in his loving relationship with the Supreme Lord. So he's a karma. A karma, sarva karma, wanting to enjoy the fruits. Or moksa karma. I want the suffering to end. I want out of prison. So one is just working and he's indifferent. He's simply depending on, on the Lord and following proper activity as a matter of example. And Krishna's going to speak in about another eight verses about that kind of a personality. And how everybody follows someone who, who works properly in this world. A karma sarva karma va moksa karma udara di. No matter whether you don't want anything or you want everything or you just want it to end on this plane. Never can end. We're eternal. But you want this part of your life to end. A karma sarva karma moksa karma. Get me out of this place. Three things. No matter what, where you're at, Krishna says, Bhagavat says, just worship Krishna. Whatever you want, he'll take care of it. You want to enjoy, he'll take care of it. You want liberation, you want, the, you want out of this plane of, of miserable samsara, repeated birth and death, he'll take care of it. Or you sim- you're an intelligent man and you simply want to live indifferently, knowing your true spiritual nature. No matter what your position, just worship Krishna. The verses we're reading now are for those people that want to enjoy the fruits of their labor. And Krishna's explaining, he set up this material world and a system of sacrifice where you can enjoy the fruits of your labor. I sent forth men and demigods and I gave them a system of sacrifice where everybody can be satisfied. The demigods who are pleased with your sacrifice will also please you. And thus, by cooperation between men and demigods, prosperity will reign for all. So thinking about these verses and knowing the background I came from in the Western world, this concept of demigods of individual controllers 
who are worshipped by mankind in a particular way is hard for us to, it's hard for me to grasp coming from this culture. When I grew up, it wasn't like, okay, you worship Saraswati so you can have a good education. You worship Yayani. Well, I didn't want a good husband. Who does the men worship for a good wife? Anyway, there's different demigods who can give you benedictions. You just worship them. That's kind of not in our tradition over here. Didn't come across the ocean with uh, Columbus. Catholics kind of do that. They do? <laughs> different saints for everything. Mm. A saint for everything. Well, I wasn't brought up there. <laughs> so uh, I guess maybe yes. I just didn't know. Um, but generally speaking, unless you're a Catholic, it's not in your background, right? The other religious traditions of Christianity don't have that. But we do have sacrifice. So first of all, let's understand and put a little bit of sacrifice so we can get a perspective here. Is everybody warm, comfortable? Why are you comfortable? The heat's paid. I paid the gas bill. We made money. The household crew here, we worked a little bit and we made money and we sacrificed that money so that we could live comfortably in our home and we could have the gas bill paid and the electric bill paid. Everybody can see, we can read here, even though the lights have gone out outside, we could see inside. We're living in this house. Once a year, we got to pay the big property tax bill. Or somebody can go to the courthouse steps and buy the house. We have the mortgage to play. We borrowed the money to buy the house, so we have to pay that back with interest. We have our sacrifices, don't we? We have our sacrifices. Especially now we have our sacrifices at the pump. We've got to keep those, those demigods in... Uh, <coughs> To the sheiks and gods of the Middle East, we're paying our due share to enjoy our transportation. We have our sacrifices. We also have other sacrifices that come down in the tradition, which are meant for what? To, to let us advance. Most prominent of these that practically everybody, at least up to 50 years ago, put some stock in was marriage. Doesn't carry that much weight anymore for the majority of people. But there's a sacrifice, a dedication, a contract between two individuals to, to stay together and uh, to death do us part. It's a sacrifice in front of the altar of sacrifice, whatever the church altar is. We generally have the sacrifice like Krishna is about to mention in the next couple verses. At least we did up to a few years ago or a couple decades ago. Any of us can recall those times when we all sat at the same table and ate together as a family. Generally prior to eating, there somebody would say grace or hold hands. Now everybody sits in front of the one-eyed guru and eats by themselves, generally doesn't offer that thanks for what they're about to take. When someone passes away, we offer them respect. We have a funeral, it's a sacrifice. 
We have birthdays, graduations. What is a graduation? What are we? What is the sacrifice there? We're sacrificing. We are honoring. We are honoring our teacher. We're giving our commencement speeches. We're given a degree from what we we accomplished, but we're also thanking those that let us accomplish it. They gave us the education. We also have the same thing in spiritual life. Once a year, we thank specifically our guru. And that's on Vyas Puj. Once a year, we offer the guru. We worship the guru. Now, we worship the guru continually, day in and day out, but that one day we, we make a special, special arrangement. That's called Vyas Puj. Even in marriage, we have an anniversary every year or five years. What is it? Two, five, ten, whatever the anniversaries are and the colors and what you give and the gold and the silver. And I mean, there's a whole ritual there, isn't it? But what is it? It's to shore up the sanctity of that initial marriage sacrifice. It's actually a renewing of the vows. So we have a sac- we have our sacrifices in society. Unfortunately, we didn't grow up in a tradition where knowledge of sacrifices to the demigods was there, perhaps in Catholicism. That's the unfortunate circumstance of Kali Yuga. This knowledge of how to how to get things easily is not there in to the to human society in general. So this worship of the demigods is not there. But from the Vedas we can learn that their sacrifices can be performed for the demigods and in that way we can assure that the calamities that befall humanity are placated. The demigods are satisfied. And we can certainly see, especially of late, what happens when there is no sacrifice. We have catastrophe after catastrophe through all over the face of the planet. And it certainly seems to me, I've only been here for, you know, 60 years, but it certainly seems to me that the level of discomfort placed upon human society is increasing decade by decade. When I was growing up, I don't remember there being torrential flooding from here to there to here to there. And all these, we had some winter storms. I don't remember winter storms at that level, you know, everywhere. These things come and go in material nature. But there is a way that through proper sacrifice that, as Krishna said in the 10th verse, we can live happily. And he set up that program. In charge of the various necessities of life, this is the demigods, being satisfied by the performance of sacrifice will supply all necessities to you. But he who enjoys such gift without offering them to the demigods in return, is certainly a thief. Moving right along. So all the necessities of life are being provided, and there's a, there's a way of making sure that we're giving an, given an ample supply of them, 
That means we take what we need. We don't take more than we need. And we're thankful that we got it to the people that provide it. Simple. The devotees of the Lord are released from all kinds of sins because they eat food which is offered first for sacrifice. Others who prepare food for personal sense enjoyment verily eat only sin. Again, we need to thank those that feed us. And if we simply forget the supplying agents, and specifically if we forget the supreme agent behind all the other agents, then in our eating, we're becoming more and more entangled in samsara, repeated birth and death. Sinful activity means samsara. It means action and reaction. Karma means sin. Good karma, bad karma. Sin and piety. All living bodies assist on food grains, which are produced from rains. Rains are produced by performance of yagna, sacrifice, and yagna is born of prescribed duties. Regulated activities are prescribed in the Vedas, and the Vedas are directly manifested from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Consequently, the all-pervading transcendence is eternally situated in acts of sacrifice. My dear Arjuna, one who does not follow in human life the cycle of sacrifice thus established by the Vedas certainly leads a life full of sin. Living only for the satisfaction of the senses, such a person lives in vain. But for one who takes pleasure in the self, whose human life is one of self-realization, and who is satisfied in the self only, fully satiated. For him there is no duty. Now, Krishna is going beyond sacrificial obligation to the platform of someone who is simply interested in the higher purposes of life. He's above, well, he is a karma. He has no, he's indifferent to karma. But he's above sarva karma, wanting to work for his, for his personal enjoyment. And moksha karma, he wants free. How often are the sacrifices needed to be performed? Is it a daily occurrence? Or? Yes, our sacrifice is daily. As far as the sacrifices recommended in the Vedas, I'm not familiar with all of them. Because mostly the Vedas, as Krishna explained in the second chapter, if you remember, mostly the Vedas deal with sacrifices for material comfort. We're, in this association, not interested in that. Although we may still have some lingering desires, still, if we practice the topmost sacrifice, purifying our heart, everything else is covered. If we go to the king of sacrifice, all the different ministers working under the king will provide us whatever we need. If he's satisfied, they're satisfied. So our, our the only sacrifice we need is... Pleasing Krishna. And we please Krishna by pleasing the spiritual master. And we take direction from him as to the proper sacrifice. Our sacrifices are nine in number. But the most important one of those nine 
is chanting Hare Krishna. It encompasses all of them. Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, Smarnam Padasevanam, Archanam Vandanam Dasham, Sakyam Atmani Vedanam. Nine processes of devotional service. These are transcendental to sacrifices on the material plane. So our simple sacrifice that we do on a daily basis, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. By focusing and sincerely crying out to Krishna, please make me your pure devotee. If we can do that daily, all other sacrifices are covered. That makes sense. But for those who take pleasure in the self, so now Krishna's talking of someone who's above wanting to do sacrifice in a business arrangement. We mentioned this before. Most everybody performs religion in order to do business with God. I give you, you give me. Even we go sit down and we say grace. What is a grace? Thank you for this food on my table. Make sure it's here today and please feed me tomorrow. It's a good place to begin. I mean, let's thank. But what about those people that are at the stage of self-realization? I just want to love Krishna. If Krishna wants me alive, he'll feed me. If he wants me dead, he'll let me let this body pass. It doesn't matter. I'm eternally simply striving for pure consciousness and love. Now we're going on to that level. Krishna's now, he's talked about sacrifice. Now, what about those people that are above having to do sacrifice? In other words, they're simply interested in self-realization Things of this plane, the business of sacrifice on the mundane plane of give and take, they've transcended that. What about them? But for those who take pleasure in this self, their spiritual self, whose human life is one of self-realization, that's their main objective. That's their goal. That's the intent of their existence, sankalpa. And who is satisfied in the self only, fully satiated, for him there is no duty. He doesn't have to perform sacrifice on the material plane. He's free of that obligation. A self-satisfied man has no purpose to fulfill in the discharge of his prescribed duties. Nor he has a, now this is important, nor has he any reason not to perform such work. Why work if you don't have to? That's a logical question that one would ask at this point, isn't it? If I don't have to do it, why should I do it? Nor is he on any need to depend on any other living being. So the question naturally arises. Well, what fool would do something he doesn't have to do? But Krishna goes on and explains, actually those aren't foolish. They have a purpose in doing what's right. Therefore, without being attached to the fruits of activities, one should act as a matter of duty. For by working without attachment, one attains the supreme. Then he gives Arjuna a hint by bringing up 
the activities of Jonica. Jonica was a great king. Responsibilities of the king are to keep peace in society. Naturally, to do that, sometimes you have to fight off the bad elements in society. Arjuna's in a situation where what? He has to fight the bad elements. So Krishna's giving him an, an example. I already know that you, Arjuna, are not attached to performing sacrifice for some material gain. In fact, you don't even care to fight this battle. Kings such as Janaka attain perfection solely by performance of prescribed duties. Therefore, just for the sake of educating the people in general, you should perform your work. Why? Yajad acharatistrestas tatad evatarojana sayat pramanam kurute lokastad anuvartate. We're going to chant this verse next week, so you have a whole week. Oh no, we're, you have two weeks. Two weeks to learn this verse so that everybody can chant it. Whatever action a great man performs, common men follow. And whatever standards he sets by exemplary acts, all the world pursues. Arjuna, you're not fighting for anything of this world. You're fighting to give an example to mankind in general that they should surrender to me. You're fighting because that's what I want. You're fighting because your duty as a Kshatriya, a leader of society, is to that end. I wanted to mention one thing, two things, in my last couple minutes. One of the reasons in the Vedas given for sacrifice that have to be done is that in everyday life, not only there are five major sacrifices, pancha means five, pancha mahayagna, again I'll go over those, sacrifices to the forefathers, to the demigods, recitation of the Veda, for us specifically recitation of those parts of the Veda that deal with transcendent knowledge, spiritual knowledge, the bhakti parts of the Veda, the bhakti shastras, feeding human beings, feeding animals. These counteract five sinful things that we can't avoid in our day-to-day -day life. Unavoidable sin. We all do it. We can't make it from day to day without it. So in the householder's life, five things happen. We destroy living entities when we're working in the kitchen. Primarily, these are in the kitchen because everyone's got to eat. We kill living entities with a pestle. Of course, in our society, we buy ground with a blender. With a blender, yeah. <laughs> we buy our spices already ground. That's what it refers. Grind pestle with a grinder, like you just said. With the oven, other things get in the way there, and they also take we take their lives just preparing our food. In the water pot, when we put the pot on the stove, there's living entities there and they perish in the preparation of our food. And we use a broom. Every time you use a broom, you 
you destroy some living entities. So these we do in our household life. These are the pancha sunya, daily sinful activities that we perform. I want to close with with one verse from the Uddhava Gita. The Uddhava Gita is Krishna also singing transcendental knowledge to his devotee, just as Bhagavad Gita is to Arjuna, Uddhava Gita is to Uddhava, and uh, it's in the 11th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. And there's one verse there that speaks to the unique situation we have through the practice of devotional service. Here in Bhagavad Gita, in this third chapter, Krishna has been giving direction for sacrifice to the demigods. So we may think, well, maybe I need to get part of this action so I can, I can have that, the results of, of sacrifice to the demigods that, that Krishna is recommending. But we have that automatically. The verse is, Acharyam mam vijnaniyan navamanyetakarhichit namarcha buja asuyeta sarvadeva mayo guru. Such an important verse. The translation is, one should know the acharya as myself. And never disrespect him in any way. One should not envy him, thinking him an ordinary man. And the last line, Sarva, Deva, Mayo, Guru. For he is the representative of all the demigods. That means that this bona fide spiritual master, the Acharya, is all the demigods combined. He has, he's the representative of all the demigods. So by serving Guru, by following his instructions, we are actually serving all the demigods which he represents. I see that the curtain is being drawn. Thank you so very much. Hare Krishna.